Ross on London's radio station. BBC Radio London. If I say the words Ray Harryhausen to you... Oh, dear. Stop motion animation, Clash of the Titans, Jason oh, the Argonauts. Oh, oh yes, no, yes, yes. No, I'm not. I, to be honest, Paul, this is where you can humiliate me if, if necessary. As if I ever would. Well, but the option is there because I've got a brain like a sieve. So you yeah, know, all the all the sort of the, the, the stop motion animation of those yeah. times. Yes, yes. And he was a former London resident, was an American. And I once phoned him up when I was about thirteen. We got a phone for the first time. Got the phone book, and you I started. Phoned him up. I started looking at people's names, and there was Ray Harryhausen so in the London phone. phone. And I went, Oh, hello. Is that Mr. Harryhausen? Yes, American guy. Oh, I love your films and put the phone down very quickly. <laughs> I can only apologise. That's he's tremendous. He's in heaven now and we're celebrating the life and work of Ray oh, Harryhausen. Man. Next up on this programme, huge thanks. That was Nick Godwin there with the Sporting News in full for BBC Radio London. And we're now talking the life and work of a creative genius, an overused uh, word I know in some cases, but actually not in the case, I would say, of Ray Harryhausen. He trained with Willis O'Brien, the man who gave us King Kong and a whole lot more, of course, and Mighty Joe Young. He then moved to this country and created some absolutely legendary films and something very special is on the way. Admittedly, not for four years. It's going to be the centenary, marking Ray Harryhausen's um, triumphant... I think it's actually the centenary of his birth. To tell us more, we're joined in the studio by John Walsh, the man who actually lives for the work of Ray Harryhausen and is a trustee, I think, of the Ray Harryhausen Foundation. He joins us now live. Good morning, John. Good morning, Paul. Now, so was Ray Harryhausen born in 1920? Yes, he was, yes. So um, 2020 will be his uh, centenary. And we're doing a series of events counting down uh, to 2020. And it might seem perhaps premature, but given his influence on filmmaking, what we've decided to do is make his birthday, 29th of June each year, a particular sort of um, catch-fire moment for us. And we're going to do something big and large every year on the 29th, leading up to 2020. And before we get on to what's happening this year, because I know you've got some remarkable sounding interviews you're going to be releasing, um, I am right in saying, of course, he lived in London, but for how long? How long was he in this country for? Um, well, since the late 50s, early 60s, um, he set up house here with his wife, Diana, and his producing partner, Charles Schneer, and they both lived um, in adjacent houses, if you like, in very trendy, leafy Holland Park. Um, Which is where I phoned him up and then was too nervous to talk to him. And then my brother Jonathan later phoned him and I think did some kind of mini interview down the phone with him because he's a very accessible man. He was, you know, he loved speaking to the fan base. He was very accessible, as you said. And that's how I came across him in the late 80s when I made a documentary at film school and kept in touch ever since. But um, And that was quite pressing because at that time stop motion had kind of gone out of fashion, hadn't it? It's now very much come back into fashion because there's something... I think unique about it because it's actually real, it's physical, it's not CGI, it's happening genuinely in front of us, albeit with special effects added. I think it is, it's true, you know, it's, if when you think about how vinyl has come back and then the, the sort of momentum behind that, stop motion is a similar thing, you know, people have had so much in terms of digital photography, there's been some wonderful films out there, but it's been what's called digital overload, where people see the, the marauding armies and they see the, the cyclops and so on, and it sort of washes over them, it becomes so much sort of wallpaper. And in fact, interestingly, I think, although there is CGI, of course, in the Star Wars film, there actually were huge models of things like the Millennium Falcon and the Death Star. So what you're seeing is a combination of all those different um, special effects media. That's right. You know, it's making sure that the tail isn't wagging the dog, the digital dog in this case. And, of course, when one thing is successful in Hollywood, it catches fire and everyone wants to do the same thing. So Jurassic Park and Terminator brought out the digital revolution. Uh, but even well before that, as you say, you know, stop motion of Ray Harryhausen's variety sort of finished in 1981 with Clash of the Titans. Well, let's remind people about that. You've mentioned Clash of the Titans, the original version with Sir Lawrence Olivier and other people. Harry Hamill, I think, was the lead in that. You've also got the remarkable, it's my favourite of Harry Housen's films, Jason and the Argonauts, an absolute masterpiece. And one of the first films I saw on the big screen, my dad took me and my brother Simon to see it at the Royal Tower in Leightonstone. 
and I could not believe it because it was magic in front of me. He was also, I think, that wasn't involved in the rather saucy one million years BC with Rackle Welch. He was, yes. It was one of the few times that Ray worked as a gun for hire for somebody else. So Hammer Films asked him to put together the dinosaur sequences for one million years BC. And that clash between the Tyrannosaurus Rex and I think the Stegosaurus is still fantastic. It is. You know, you often see clips of Ray's films in other people's films. Um, you know, Del Toro likes his work. Well, everyone likes his work, Spielberg, Lucas and so on. Um, but that um, iconic pose of Raquel Welsh and standing on this sort of Lanzarote landscape. In the fur bikini. In the tiny fur bikini. <laughs> Which must have tickled like heck. Well, there's a story behind that because apparently Miss Welsh took a, a, a clipping scissors to her bikini and made it smaller and smaller. Did she now? Shoot. Saucy wench. <laughs> which, is, which, which is kind of a bit of a nonsense because of the continuity of the film, things are shot out of order, as you know. So sometimes the, the, the outfit's very small, sometimes a bit larger. That gives me an excuse to watch One Million Years BC again this afternoon just for a bit of bikini spotting. So what's happening this year to kick off this countdown to the centenary, John? Well, um, this year it's the 50-year anniversary of One Million Years BC and we're working with... Is that really 50 years 50 ago? 50 years, 1966. I must have snuck in as a 9-year-old, 10-year-old boy to see it then. You, you would have done, <laughs> and that would have been a double-A certificate, so you would have needed to have been 15 at the time. So you've done well. You done I went, well I went in on tiptoes, obviously, pretending to smoke or something, as we did back in the day. So, OK, so it's the 50th anniversary of One Million Years BC. What's happening? Um, so there's going to be some screenings of One Million Years BC, and we're working with the Hammer Society on that. But, but more sort of prescient to what we're doing at the Foundation, um, I recorded with Ray, before he died, commentaries for his films, because unbelievably, with the exception of one or two films, he hadn't recorded what we call director's commentaries for them. So I sat with him with a digital film crew and we filmed and recorded commentaries for all of his films. So we have now 25 hours worth of new audio material. Never heard before. Never heard before. Um, Clips of Ray talking about difficulties making certain special effects, his inspirations behind them, and uh, he exclusively reveals the inspiration behind the legless Medusa from Clash of the Titans, and it was Todd Browning's film Freaks. Or a very disturbing film from the early 30s, banned for a long time in this country. Absolutely. About circus freaks, as they were called, rather unkindly, yeah. Yes, you know, quite a pejorative term, really, when we think about it. And there was people with no legs in that film, and it was decided that it might upset audiences. Interestingly, it was banned... For the opposite reasons it would be banned today. It was banned because it might offend able-bodied people. Rather than be offensive. For its, in fact, it doesn't really exploit the circus folk in that, I think, the carnival folk does. I mean, they're, they're, in the end, they're treated as... They're portrayed as being far more human than some of the human beings who aren't kind of born with disabilities are. Yes. I mean, so how, how can people hear these interviews then, John? What's the process? Well, we're doing a series of podcasts, sort of exclusive free downloadable podcasts through the Foundation. And we want to make them free because we feel that, you know, what Ray has to say is, is worth hearing. And they're going to be starting up next month. And where can people find them? And they can find them through the Ray Harryhausen website, which is rayharryhausen.com, and through our Twitter feed and Facebook, which is of the same name. And, uh, you know, they'll be available throughout this year and, and leading up to, to 2020. And, of course, the big event you mentioned is in June. You're going to have one a year in June, so you must come back and tell us about that before it happens. Yes, thanks very much. Thank you very much indeed from the Ray Harryhausen Foundation. Talking about those exclusive new interviews, director's commentary by Ray himself, recorded with John Walsh, now available through the Ray Harryhausen Foundation, available from next week. You heard about it here first on BBC Radio London.